Well, joining us now is former Trump National Security Advisor John Bolton. Uh, Ambassador Bolton, thanks for joining us. Uh, the actual news itself, the possibility of a meeting uh, between Kim Jong-un and President Putin and Kim leaving North Korea to travel to Russia, what does that tell you? Well, I think this is a big win for Kim Jong-un and the North Koreans in virtually every respect, certainly in the PR aspect of it, uh, but, but in the ties that it will help uh, increase between North Korea uh, and Russia. It's mutually beneficial to both in Russia getting uh, weapons and ammunition. It opens the possibility of a kind of conveyor belt. If China doesn't want to supply weapons directly, it can supply them to North Korea, and then, lo and behold, they could then, in turn, be supplied to Russia. But from Kim's point of view, for years and years of being dependent on China, for example, people estimate North Korea gets 90 percent of its oil from China. Now he's got a real possibility to open up oil oil and gas uh, coming from Russia. And in this complex relationship between uh, Russia and China, while they're clearly growing closer and closer, Russia's worried about China's aspirations uh, in the region. For example, the critical naval base and port city of Vladivostok, right to the east of North Korea, uh, was ruled by China as recently as the mid-19th century. So Putin gains by tightening the relationship between uh, North Korea and Russia. Kim Jong-un gains now by being able to play the two of off against each other, as his grandfather used to do back in the days of the Cold War. Uh, and, and overall, I think it's another example of the U.S. being asleep while significant geopolitical developments are underway. You think the U.S. is asleep? You're talking about the Biden administration? Well, I'm talking about many Americans. I mean, look, I think the the, the uh, pursuit of uh, the effort to get a nuclear deal with North Korea now three decades long has proven to be a complete waste of time. I think this recent uh, story about uh, Kim and Putin should tell us uh, how significant it is that we focus on the end right. of North Korea, not dealing there. with North Korea, but the reunification of the peninsula. So, Ambassador Bolton, there. You talked about oil and what get what getting oil from Russia could mean for North Korea, but what about the weapons technology that North Korea wants from Russia? If it gets what it wants on those fronts, what is the immediate risk to the West and the more long-term risk? Well, I think North Korea has been receiving clandestine assistance on missiles and the nuclear programs from China and Russia for a long time. They, they used to admit it. In recent years, they've denied it. I'm not sure those denials are credible. The North Korean missile force is based on Russian-supplied technology, formerly Scud missiles. Uh, but the, the potential now is very significant, because while North Korea has demonstrated both that it can detonate nuclear devices uh, and that it can fire missiles that have a range to hit the continental United States. It has not yet demonstrated it has the targeting capability uh, to hit the places it aims at, or necessarily the technology to bring a nuclear weapon back into the atmosphere in a warhead that's secure enough that uh, it's not destroyed on reentry. Russia obviously has both those capabilities. I'm sure that's what North Korea wants. Ambassador, can I circle back to what you said about the, the idea of the end of people being asleep at the wheel or asleep at the switch to some degree and the end of North Korea being kind of the necessary uh, outcome at this point, uh, not whatever has been happening, I think, over several administrations, several decades at this point. Um, I guess my question is, how, how does that happen, right? If you look at allies in the region 
while many people look at the current administration's policy as being the Indo-Pacific policy as being entirely China-based, when you look at the relationship between Japan and South Korea uh, that has formed and I think evolved over the course of the last couple of years, you could say that that also has to do with North Korea as well. Uh, what's the, the gap between that and ending North Korea as you propose? Well, the, the division of North Korea into South, and South Korea in 1945 was intended to be temporary, right. uh, just as we've seen the division between East and West Germany end. But for decades, uh, American leaders in both parties have just routinely accepted that this hereditary communist dictatorship has to be the strangest form of government on earth today is just going to go on forever. And I think we need to begin with a psychological and political change that we do not accept North Korea as a legitimate state. And I think cooperation between South Korea and Japan and the U.S. Is a, is a big step toward it. The policy is simple, but, but uh, not one that the administrations, Republican or Democratic, have been willing to follow, which is uh, even more significant sanctions against North Korea and the determination and uh, making it clear to both China and Russia that we expect that we're going to do what we said we'd do in 1945 uh, and bring the regime back into unification with the South. If we don't focus on the policy, it won't happen. You worked in the Trump administration, but have since been very critical of the way that Trump has interacted with, courtship with, if you will, Kim and Putin. I'm interested in your take on how one of his Republican competitors in the primary, Vivek Ramaswamy, chose to not answer questions about whether he thinks Putin is a, is a war criminal, because it reminds me of some questions that then-President Trump was asked about Putin. Here's that exchange with reporters yesterday in New Hampshire. I think that Putin is a dictator, and I think that there are open questions that need to be adjudicated by the ICCJ. We have an ICCJ for a reason. My job as the U.S. president is to advance American interests. So I think Putin's actions have been craven. Not much I will say, and I've said it all along. We have to get the facts before we get to the bottom of that. You previously called the International Criminal Court illegitimate when it issued that warrant uh, to arrest Putin, accusing him of war crimes. What do you make of Vivek Ramaswamy not answering the question of whether or not he thinks Putin is a war criminal? Well, I, I think Ramaswamy reminds me an awful lot of Donald Trump. Uh, he has very firm opinions on subjects he knows absolutely nothing about, and this was an example of it. And if he supports the International Criminal Court, as he appeared to do in that statement, I hope he reaffirms that and makes clear why he thinks the ICC is such a good idea. Uh, look, this is, this is something that ultimately uh, is going to have to be resolved either by the Russians themselves or by the Ukrainians. Uh, and, and the main point is that, that Ramaswamy has made other statements about this war uh, and about what he's going to do to try and solve it. Like, uh, like Trump said, he would put Zelensky and Putin in a room and mm -hmm. he'd have it solved in 24 hours. Uh, Ramaswamy is going to go to Moscow, convince Putin to break the alliance with China and end the war that way. I mean, they, they, they might as well be in kindergarten talking about uh, a very complex situation. But uh, there's no mistake, I think Ramaswamy emulates Trump every time he can. Hmm. Ambassador John Bolton, we really appreciate your perspective this morning. Thanks. Glad to be with you. 
I'd love your take on what Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy said yesterday and really what he didn't say when asked multiple times by reporters in New Hampshire if he thought Vladimir Putin uh, is a war criminal. Listen to this exchange. Yes or no? I think that Putin is a dictator, and I think that there are open questions that need to be adjudicated by the ICCJ. We have an ICCJ for a reason. My job as the U.S. president is to advance American interests. So I think Putin's actions have been craven. Not much I will say, and I've said it all along. We have to get the facts before we get to the bottom of that. The ICCJ is referring to the International Criminal Court, but he's, he's punting. What's your response? Well, clearly, uh, Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. I mean, he's, he's bombed civilian cities, killed civilians. Uh, his troops have raped and pillaged. They've kidnapped Ukrainian children. He's, they've committed more, more, more war crimes than, than one can count. But look, I, I think Ramaswamy has uh, drawn criticism from, from, from most quarters, rightfully so, for his many of his foreign policy stan stances that are just in, in some ways certainly out of the norm and outlandish in others, and mm. I think we would actually harm our national security if implemented. But uh, look, he has a right to his views, and he's going to probably continue to advance him on in the Republican GOP nomination. We'll see how that plays over time. Many of the many observers have said a lot of his views on foreign policy actually echo and remind them of Trump. Do they remind you of Trump? Yes, in many ways. I mean, it's it's a more isolationist approach. Uh, you know, when he's he's talked about uh, somehow meeting with Putin and, and cutting a deal so that Putin can have a chunk of of Ukraine, that's just r ridiculous, or, or saying that by 2028, once we move a semiconductor industry here to the United States, uh, China can have, its, uh, can have Taiwan. I mean, those views just undermine American leadership. They undermine U.S. values abroad. They certainly don't uh, 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 make a major break with uh, people like me who consider themselves Reagan Republicans. That's not how Ronald Reagan would see the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and, and there are other things, again, that he said, but I, yeah. I, that I think are really outside the bounds of, uh, of, of what America's role in yeah. the world is and should be.